Welcome to Blondie and the Brit, Writing, Publishing, and Beyond. You can find our show notes and more information about our podcast at blondieandbrit.com. That's B-L-O-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-B-R-I-T.com. Welcome to Blondie in the Brit podcast. I am Blondie, KG Waters. And I'm Suzanne Talbot, I'm the Brit. And together we're Blondie in the Brit. Yay! Woohoo! I am the author of Stealing Time. And I'm the author of the Rejected Writers Book Club. Welcome to Blondie and the Brit. We have something very exciting for you this week. We have the second half of our author roundtable that we started last week. And it ended up being longer than we thought, so we split it into two interviews so you can enjoy all of the great information that these authors have. We have our team with us, which was our launch team, and they are uh, Camille DeMaio, Kerry Schaefer, Melody Robinette, Kim Hunt-Harris, Amy Quick-Parrish, KJ Waters and myself. Good. So we're going to slide right in and you're just going to, we're just going to pick this up where the interview ended last week. We hope you enjoy it. First half of the interview you can hear last week on our, our podcast. Camille, what is one thing that you've learned this year about book marketing that has helped you a lot? I've learned a lot more about using hashtags. Primarily on Instagram, I really, really have started to like that form and there's more and more readers over there. I've learned about using hashtags well and try to put a lot of them into the comments to cast a wide net. And not always about books. I just try to put out interesting pictures. Even, you know, I go to the farmer's market, or I went today to the farmer's market and hashtag blueberries, among many other things. But if people find it and then they like it, they look through my feed and they might follow me. And then about every 15 posts or so, I may say something about my book or a picture of one of my books. And if they've been following me, that's just a new way to cast a net for people who might not have otherwise found them. Very good. Very good. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot on Instagram I don't completely understand, but that is exceptional way to, to reach a bigger audience is add a whole bunch. Always add I am writing and a few writerly ones, too, so that people looking for that can see it. But, you know, all your Blueberry fans will be excited about your book, I'm sure. <laughs> that's right. Neil underscore author. Uh, so that author, I hope, will intrigue them to maybe look my name up on Amazon and say, oh, yeah, who is she? I, I like the blueberry pictures or something like that. <laughs> but on almost all of them, I definitely hashtag it, hashtag it Instagram, writer's advice. So all my hashtags will Ooh. have writerly hashtags, but then I also try to make whatever the subject matter pictures be pretty broad as well. Excellent. I need to remember those two hashtags. I use some, but like those, I should put on every one. That's brilliant. What were they? KJ, Writer's Life, what was the other one? Yeah. Uh, there's hashtag Writer's Life, hashtag Authors of Instagram, there's Writers of Instagram, and then some people shorten it. It'll be Writers of IG, Authors of IG. I mean, there's really a million of them, yeah. but I tried to find ones that, that literally have a million other hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> but the popular ones, and I try to keep hitting those popular ones. Smart. Good strategy. Good tip. Good tip. Kim, what about you? What is your, what, one thing you've learned about bookmarking this year that's really helped you? Well, the thing that we have focused on the most is building our email list. Yeah. And so I've covered several different, I know, you know, we've talked about this on previous podcasts about Authors XP and different, different services that offer mailing list builders. So they target readers in your genre. So you know that you're not just you know, it's a focused 
target. So they they like your kind of book, and you know you um, join together with other authors, and and you share the information with all the readers and and all the people on your mailing list, and so you just kind of build it that way. And that's been a great, that's been a fantastic resource because you know I now I have a direct contact with these people, and they you know they might never have discovered my book another way, but they then they they. Get it? They read it. They they email me back, and we we establish this relationship, and yeah. so it's been a lot of fun. And uh, so that's where our efforts have been this year. Yeah, but I'm really excited. I'm intrigued about the Instagram thing too because I'm I'm bad about I take travel pictures, and <laughs> but Instagram is kind of fun, so I, I really I need a better phone is what I need to do. So that's a good excuse for me to drop some money on a on a better phone. Business expense, I see. Exactly. Perfect. Amy, what about you? It's something new that you've learned this year with marketing that's really helped you. I'll kind of continue what she said about the uh, building a mailing list. I had never had a newsletter. My website kind of came up maybe even after I had published my first book. So I'm working on getting a mailing list, and the AFC is a really great way to do that. Yeah. Giveaways have been helpful, but I think the best thing that I've really learned is people had told me, you know, best book marketing is to write your next book. And that is good advice in that it's just good advice. And also it helps so you don't freak out. You have to be on Twitter every 30 seconds. And you can actually go ahead and focus working on the next book. And where your talents, I mean, you guys, some of you guys are really good at marketing. And that's maybe your background. But if your background is not in marketing and you get a little overwhelmed, it's encouraging to know that, yes, this is still useful. And I've actually found a difference now that I have the second book out. It does kind of work to have two of them together. People are interested in both of them at the same time. So that was encouraging. That's good. Very good. And if you don't, like Suzanne keeps telling me, you want to have as many things to offer people as you can. And so by having that second book, a lot of people don't just want a one-off author. They want, you know, that if there's a series or if you have two books, and I like the, the fact that you put in there that it's also motivating you. You know, you're looking at the big picture, which is you're an author, not just a marketer. So good, good advice. Um, let's move to Carrie. What have you learned this year about book marketing that's really helped? Well, this year, kind of what happens, I got a little bit disillusioned with social media. There's so much ugliness out there right now. So I get on Facebook or Twitter and I just frankly get depressed. <laughs> I was trying to build a mailing list, but I really didn't like that. I, I didn't want to send newsletters, and I was busy. And so I wasn't doing a lot of marketing. And then I started doing a training to um, be a creativity coach. And I had this great big aha moment in the middle of all of this. I was learning more about creativity, which is this. Marketing can be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be what everybody else is doing. It can be fun. And I'm learning to approach it in exactly the same way that I approach writing my novel. I get an idea and I think, ooh, that sounds kind of fun. What could I do with that? Can I play with this? How can I come to this in a way that, that's playful and fun for me? If it's fun and playful for me, then I'm likely to do it and it's not going to be a drudge. And if I'm finding it fun, then maybe other people will find it fun. So I'm still kind of in the middle of um, exploring and playing with that, but it brought me to an idea I'm really excited about that's coming up July 1st with the release of I Wish to Happen. So we'll see <laughs> We'll see how that works out in terms of it's actually um, successful as marketing, but it certainly was a success in that I, I'm excited about it and had fun with it. Yeah. totally new to me. Well, which is huge. It's like 
bring the fun back into your social media if you're bored with it. And I love the fact that you're using your creativity coaching to coach our listeners because that's exactly it. If you have enthusiasm with whatever it is you're doing on social media, so will other people. That's catching, you know? You're putting out the same boring posts all the time. It's, you know, I, I have one guy follow me on his, he wanted me to follow on his author page, and he mostly posted his word count every day, which is fine. Right. But it wasn't very creative. And like after the third post, you're like, oh, all right. You know, it's not that exciting. So I love that you're approaching it in a way that's just like, what can we do? You know, the world is wide open with social media, however you want to approach it. So to add a little right. fun back exactly. in. They can, they can look like whatever you want them to look yeah. like. They don't have to look like everyone else's. They don't have to be about your book. They could, you know, they could be funny. They could be, well, anything, really. Yes. So the size the limit. And again, anything that you love doing and are exciting about doing, then you're going to do that thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, so true. But much better than, than dreading. I, I guess I, I finally came to, and this is the, the biggest thing I learned about marketing. I became an author because I loved to write and because I wanted to be an author. So living this life, this is the life I want. How can I shape it to be the life that I want living rather than, oh, I really love this part and I hate that part. Oh, why can't I love all of it? So that's, that's what I'm working towards with marketing now. Brilliant. I love it. And I'm going to come into that, uh, KJ, because I have to say, I've been getting your newsletters, Carrie, the last couple, because obviously we're all signed up for these newsletters, and I'm really enjoying that. I uh, was surprised when I first opened it, because there was nothing about your book, but I loved the context of what you were talking about, so I actually, I remember, read a little bit, and then I stayed for like a week before I actually got a chance to read it, but I just wanted to encourage you that it really drew me in, I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. And then if, if people like what you write, and then every now and then, when you have some great news, you know, you pop it in at the end. And you know, then you're kind of doing both. So that's thank you, Sam. That it's awesome to have some feedback. Yes, good job, Melody. What have you learned this year about book marketing that has really helped you? I was kind of playing off of Tim, the uh, mailing list builder, and using authors. The cool thing about that is that the people signing up are actual readers. They know that all they're getting out of it are the potential to have three books. So it's not like they're signing up for like a gift card or a Kindle or anything of monetary value. They're signing up for the ability to read books. So you know you're getting readers on your mailing list, which is really cool. Yeah. Another thing that I recently have started, and so I'm hoping in the next couple weeks I'll be able to know more about how it works, is uh, an ARC team. So I've gathered a specific group of people who I send out an advanced reader copy of my new book, and they have about a month to read the book and get back to me maybe on, like, typos in this or um, just things that they weren't clear about or things that they really liked or things they didn't like. And they also, it's not a guarantee, but um, it's sort of understood that they also will review your books for you. So you kind of tell them the day that it's released Hey, my book is live. If you could go leave a review now, we'll appreciate it. And hopefully you have a lot of reviews on the day of instead of having to wait to build those up. Right. So I'm hoping that that works so well. Oh. I haven't been able to test it out. I'm not going to be able to do that until June 27th. So I'll let y'all know how that goes. Yes, excellent. Suzanne and I, just before we recorded this podcast, we've recorded one of just me and her with book launch ideas. And that is exactly what we talked about as well. It was an ARC team. So 
So yeah. good job. I hope it so works. So far, been really awesome. Good. I've had a couple people send me like pages of things they wanted me to change. This one person didn't like that I used Python. It's funny. It's yeah. funny what people yeah. find. It's nice to have a broad group too, because I found that you know, in reviews and various other comments, people find like the oddest things, and it's like it's not like the same issue each time. It's totally different things. So it's really nice because your readers are going to catch different people catch different pieces of it. So to have some pre-readers that will be honest with you and give you a chance to fix some of that stuff before you put it out there so that readers aren't caught on little things like hyphens or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, Suzanne, what about you? I think I'm kind of, uh, we, we were just talking about this in the last podcast. I really am finding that having a, a mailing list is really good. You and I both talked about the fact we'd really resisted that for a while because yeah. we don't get a lot of mail. But I'm finding that that's a really great way to connect with people. I'm loving the people email me back. They, they talk about the book or they talk about something in the newsletter. It feels really great to have that kind of contact. I, I really do see a spike in sales when the newsletter goes out. So I do think it is a very effective tool for marketing. Yes, same here. I want to ditto that. And I, I don't have anything new to say because I'm doing almost all the things that you're saying. <laughs> Out there, so thank you. Can I ask real quick how often do you guys send out newsletters? Suzanne, you want to answer? This is a good question. I've been talking to my agent about that. She actually believes that you shouldn't send one out like all the time. And I actually send, I try to send mine out every month, around a month. I don't send one every week. There is debate about whether that's good or bad. That's just the way that I do it because I like to be able to put all my giveaways and everything in one newsletter. If I have, if halfway through that month something comes up and I want to send out, I'll send out a quick email just saying my book's suddenly on half price for the day or whatever. I'll do that. So I just, I don't do it every week and I don't definitely don't do it every day, but about once a month is when I do it. I, since I'm in pre-launch mode, I've been doing it more often because I've had more giveaways and things, but it hasn't been super structured and I kind of like it that way that it isn't like each Monday and then they're they're bored with me or whatever. So mine has been when I've had a giveaway to do or my books on discount or now that I'm about to launch, I'll have one on the day of launch and, you know, a couple other like the, the list builders from uh, vendor contests from the Authors XP, we'll put those on there. But once I'm finished with this launch mode, I think I'm going to go back to like once a month and just kind of put a few key things in there. Remind them about my book is one of the things, but with some of my travel blog posts or various other things that I have going on that isn't like I like Carrie's idea a lot to give them content that isn't just here's contest and buy my book kind of thing. So anyone else want to talk about how often they do theirs? I'm about like y'all about once a month and I, I try not to send anything out if I don't have something to send. I want to keep, you know, I want to kind of keep my name in front of readers, but I don't want to send them worthless stuff. I don't want to talk up their inbox, you know, with something that's not going to be entertaining. But right. So I try to stick to about once a month, or even every every six weeks or so. But if I if I write a scene that I, you know, that like I sent an excerpt because I'd written a scene that day that just kind of came to me and it was really funny, and I knew I could send it as kind of a teaser, but it wouldn't be a spoiler. And so I just sent that out and, you know, just kind of give them a, a, a glimpse of what the next book was going to be like. So, I like that. So, that, you know, that was fun. But normally if I don't have something coming up, then, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not very regularly. I've been yeah. sending, you know, of course, like you guys, since I'm launching a new book, I've been sending more often. And 
being involved in more promotions and things like that. So letting them know about a sale or a prize or something like that. But otherwise, it's, it's once a month at most. Awesome. Cool. All right. So now we're up for our last question. And this is a little, this is something that Suzanne and I like to ask our authors. And it kind of gives your readers and our listeners a, a sense of, of what it takes to, to get started writing. So what do you have any rituals that you do to get into the mood of writing? You have a certain place that you do it, certain, you know, incense that you burn or whatever. So Amy, I'm going to start with you. So yeah, I do have a kind of specific sort of way I do it. I have a kind of a playlist for everything I'm writing. Ooh. And sometimes I even have a playlist for a separate character. Uh, Augusto really likes 80s hard rock type thing, and there's a reason for that. And then Janie doesn't like it as much. I've got, you know, candles that I use, specific scents. Like I, I have kind of a pumpkin cinnamon one I used a lot while I was writing into that. Sometimes I'll burn incense if they're out in the, you know, try to, if they're by the fire, I try to just be there as much as I can. Wow. So I just try to immerse myself in where they are. Sometimes I even put pictures up to kind of describe where they are so that I can kind of look out and there's the desert or I can look out and there's, you know, the mountains, wherever they are. So, wow. And then I always work in the same place. So, you know, once I'm there, I know. That's I'm amazing. Yeah, I want to take all that to the piano lesson with you, okay, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My playlist during piano. <laughs> and your candles and incense. Yes. Can you keep it down? I'm listening to 80s hard rock. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I can't actually listen to his music very often when I'm writing, but I try to, as I'm getting ready for a boost, I'm like, okay, here he is with his annoying music. (laughs) That's good, though. I like that. That's very intricate, though. Let's go to Suzanne. Suzanne, what is your ritual? Yeah, I actually actually listen to, okay, I actually, I go to my studio. I find that I write much better in my studio than I write in the house. Just moving from the house to the studio helps because it's a different space in my head. But I actually have a, I have a cassette that shows how old it is. Oh, they're really boring, huh? And I play the same one every time I come in. And it, you know, I think one side it has Bach and the other is Beethoven. So, and I listen, I know that when I get to the end of the cassette, the music's going to have to start. It's like psychologically in my brain, I've got that. So I know, it's kind of like I know my trigger, you know, that I can, I can fluff around the studio for like whatever that is, 20 minutes, half an hour. But then as soon as that clicks in, then I've got to start doing serious writing. And often, like next week, because I haven't been for a couple of weeks because I just took a break after being on a deadline. And I, I also feel very intimidated jumping back in when I have to start again. And I'm working on a very different book at the moment. What I always do, because this always works for me, is I pull up my, wherever I was in my manuscript, I, I highlight the last chapter. And I listen to it through Mac. I can just press two buttons and the Mac will read it to me. And I walk around my studio listening to the story as a reader, not as, a, not as an author, oh. not, listening, not listening for problems. I'm listening, I'm getting myself back into the, the voice, get back into the space, back into the story. And I find that this is the number one thing that really helps me jump into stories. So I don't know if anybody else has done that, but I found that very helpful. I like that a lot. I might need to start doing it. I finally figured out how to do it on uh, Word, Microsoft Word. There's a place where you can do, you're looking at the view. Instead of doing edit mode, you do read mode, and then you can have it read to you. And and he's got a cool accent. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Well, it's, it's, computer, it's computer, but it just, I'm not really listening to the voice so much as so I'm listening to the word. So exactly. it just helps me. Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. What about... You, Carrie, how do you, what kind of rituals do you have to get into the mood of writing? 
I have a number of things that I do. Sometimes I do candles and sometimes I do music. The one thing that's pretty much constant, I, I aim for every weekday, and I'm pretty consistent with that, is I actually, these days I'm getting up at four in the morning. Yeah. And no, I'm not, no, I'm not a morning person. That all comes up. <laughs> it's, it's something I've figured out is the only way to be sure that I actually get my writing done. Yeah. I am at my writing desk by having uh, well started a cup of coffee. I love sometimes I try to hook up with another writer to run sprint. We hook up together on instant messaging. Cool. So then we kind of hold that space for each other. It's like, okay, we're going to just go for 15 minutes. How many words do you get? It kind of keeps me um, keeps me moving. And then the other thing that I've just been learning again in this part of the creativity stuff I've been learning is you, it's possible to actually set an intention for yourself how you would like to feel while doing your work today. So before getting started, just stop and think, all right, I want to feel creatively focused and then take a few breaths, kind of get that feeling and then go for it. And um, I'm finding that to be very helpful as well. Good tip. Excellent. Melody, what are your rituals? Well, I kind of have two different ones because I'm a teacher. So whenever during the school year, I obviously have to get up earlier. So I get up at 5 a.m. every school day, and I have my little writing drone mm. that I sit in downstairs, and I have to have coffee no matter what the temperature is outside. I don't care if it's boiling outside. I have to have hot coffee, and I listen to my playlist that matches whatever I'm writing. And I, and on my podcast, well, I talk about the the Pomodoro method where oh, yeah. you have a timer and you can only write during that time and then you get a five-minute break. That's what I do to keep myself focused and also Facebook and all mm-hmm. of that. During the summer, though, I sleep in and I usually go to a coffee shop, like the change of scenery. Yeah. So as long as I have coffee, that's like my main that's ritual. Like if I have that. coffee, I have to use it. The main requirement. Well, that's good. That's good. What about you, Kim? What do you use as a ritual to get into the writing vibe? I have no ritual. I have, wow. I have no ritual. I, I, you know, I get up in the morning and write early like the other ladies do, and I write at lunch. I write sometimes, you know, in my car. I write after work, you know. All so because it's kind of catch as catch can to find the time, you know, to, I, I really don't do anything. And that's, I mean, I always have coffee, but I always have coffee anyway. So, you know, I don't think that's really something that's right. It doesn't make it special. <laughs> I, I when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about, like, in kindergarten, I don't know if, you, if y'all's teachers taught you this, but when you're learning to color and they tell you to, you know, to outline first, and so, so you don't color outside the line, that helps you not color outside the line, and I never wanted to do that. I'm just like, let's just jump in. Let's just do it. And and that's pretty much the way I write, too, and I don't necessarily recommend that because, you know, I always colored outside the lines. It was always messy, <laughs> and my books are always messy and, you know, take take several times going through to straighten them up and everything but but my system is just jump in and do it you know and and so that's that's what i do right so and it it works well for you get a book out of it so exactly i mean everyone has their own their own personality kind of plays into that and uh, i i feel your impatience too because i'm the same way but you know, you have to temper that with if I if I just jump in, I write crap for a while. So there's you know, there's a payment for it. So I've tempered mine with a little bit of thanks to Suzanne structuring and planning out a little bit. So but my, my inclination based on my personality is just to get it done. I didn't want to outline the coloring either. That was boring. Don't make me sit down and 
plan to do it. I just want to do it. So at, uh, I'm the complete opposite of you guys. Yeah. Well, see, so you're a teacher I've got too. I've my thought and my plan, and for the day I write out the scene I'm gonna write, like pre-plan it. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, well, it takes all types, and that's that's why it's so interesting when, like, Suzanne and I do these interviews is to talk to people because uh, there's as many varieties as there are books of how people write, and I think it's fascinating, personally. Things away from this podcast, though, one, dedication. Every one of these authors are dedicated to what they're doing, and then I think number two, they've all got, they're all out there marketing, they're not passive in what they're doing, yeah. and they're passionate about the stories they're telling, and so I think that there's a real key, even though everything's very different in this interview, I, that's what I've been listening to, I'm like, wow, it's amazing, yeah. we've all got different interpretation of that, but we all have the same driven, same goals, same, you know, thing that's driving us, I think it's great. It is, it is. We still need to hear Camille's rituals, what do you have, Camille? I'm the only morning person in the family, and given that we come to school and we can have a flexible schedule, so I've had a school and that to alone hours in the morning, which is fantastic. Yeah. With the four kiddos at home. Uh, so I always start with spiritual reading just to put me in a really positive frame of mind. And then I get online, I check all my emails, my Facebook, and everything because I don't know if it's my German brain or something, but I sort of have to have that all out of the way and know that nobody needs me for anything. And then I have clear head to start writing. And like most of you, I just I just write. I'm definitely not working with an outline or a plan. I just write. So I'll read the previous chapter to get myself back story. And I barely know where the scene is going to go. It just has to support the overall story somehow. And so I just write until somebody knocks on the door and needs me. Ah, that's good. I, I do the same thing with, uh, I don't know if it's maybe it's a mom thing. You don't want anyone to need you. Like I, I check, you know, Messenger and Facebook and email. Like everything is under control before I can start. Because otherwise I feel like there'll be 25 interruptions. I tell the kids I'm going to write, leave me alone. You know, make make some sort of announcement. Even if no one's home, I'm kind of like every, you know, the space needs to cooperate. You know, I feel like there's so much chaos when you have kids that you your structure, as as good as your intentions are, it's the external factors that end up screwing you up. So I think that's neat. And I'm glad that you have that moment of quiet in the morning. My mornings are I get up crack of dawn to get me ready before I get all the kids ready and take them to school. So, And I'm not dedicated enough like Melody and Carrie to get up at 4 a.m. I just, because I'm up till like 1 at the other end of it. So well, I don't have kids yet. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part yeah. of it. That might change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might change. But Camille can do it with kids, so I think it just depends. I'm I'm not a morning person like Carrie, but also I'm so not a morning person that I'm not willing to get up at five or four or whatever to, to write. I just take it out of the other end of the day and stay up too late. But. I, was gonna say, I would love to have everybody, before I just have this idea, Kate, you haven't thought sure. about this, everybody just do a couple of sentences of some encouragement to other just something encouraging to other writers out there. You know, what would be your, just a couple of sentences or, or you know, whatever to say, this is what I think it, you, that you want to communicate about what you're doing and what to encourage people. Does that make sense? Yeah, let's start, with, it, let's start with you, right. Suzanne. For me? Yeah, and you can set the example. My, my, my encouraging would, would be, you know, right, even when you're having a bad day, right, when you're even, you know, having this crap, I mean, I tell my, I make my son write at the top of his pad, pad when he's writing, the first draft is rubbish. I make him write it every time so that he doesn't feel that pressure, you know, before he starts writing. So to me, it's like, it's, it's like any other thing that you do, you've got to keep doing it. So that would be my 
Very good. Camille, what's your advice? There's a quote I've always loved by Thomas Edison that is, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. And I think that is totally true in writing. So if you feel, anybody wants to sit down and write and they feel like inspiration is just not coming and that they envision that that's what writing is, I think this quote is helpful to say that writing is mostly just the hard work. Yeah. Like Suzanne said, just sit down and do it. You're very rarely going to have those moments where you're absolutely inspired and love what you're love the words coming from your fingers most of the time you're not you're going to just need to do it though and then as you go back slide and it's ice stuff for the nod to pop it end up with something really great perfect Kim I would say that there has never been a better time to be a writer we to connect you know writers and readers have the ability to connect on a much more direct level than than ever before and so you know on top of what but the great advice that's already been given, you know, keep writing and give yourself permission to, to write crap at first because, you know, I don't know who said it, but it's something like, you know, with writing, you don't, it, you don't have to get it right the first time, like brain surgery. You, we get to edit. We get to revise. So just get the words down. But the main thing is the world is wide open right now. Yeah. So anything, you know, anything can happen. Excellent. Excellent. Amy, what do you have to say? My favorite bit of writing advice um, from Lawrence Cassidy, who wrote Raiders of Lost Ark and Big Chill, quote is, the ones that make it, it's kind of, kind of paraphrasing it, phrasing it, but the ones that make it are the ones that didn't give up. Mm-hmm. I think you just keep on doing it, and, you know, it might take years, but you'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's always been very encouraging to me. Yeah, I like that. What about you, Carrie? There are so many things that, that keep us from writing, and a lot of it, I think, there's a fear that goes with the writing. No matter how much we love it, in the background, there's always this, what if I suck? What if What if I'm a pony? What if I'm not really a writer? What if I can't do this? Or, or alternately, what if it's really successful? Because sometimes we're scared of that, too. Yeah. So I think just acknowledging and being aware that that fear is normal for all of us, and then focusing on of what it is that you love about writing and giving yourself permission to just do a little bit instead of feeling like you have to sit down and write the whole thing at once. You remember that it, it can happen in tiny little, tiny little bits yeah. done multiple times a day or over a, a, a long time. Just keep, keep going. Keep right. swimming is one of my models. Keep swimming. Yeah. Finding email. <laughs> just that. keep swimming. <laughs> what do we do? You're speaking my language with this woman, okay. <laughs> Melody, what's your advice? Probably just don't give up. I know a lot of writers who get to point their novel and they feel like it's not going the way they wanted it to, or they feel like they're crappy writers, or they're just afraid to finish it. And that's whenever they give up and they have all of these unfinished projects, and you're never gonna you're never gonna have a book out there to keep giving up on your project. Go with that second part of the novel, go through it, just skip over it even, and come back to it later in editing. But you're, you're never going to have the chance to share anything if you continue to just not make it through that hurdle of whatever part of your novel was making you stop. Right. So just don't give up, like they've been saying, and don't be so afraid of it. It's, not, it's just words. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Getting out of your brain. That's good. It's and- I, I echo a lot of what you're saying. I think they're all really good answers. I want to also add is to, to maybe find a writing buddy. I get so much help and encouragement and guilt relief, et cetera, from having Suzanne. We talk 
you know, I guess when we were doing the podcast, it was like five times a week, but now it's, it's narrowed down since we're both releasing. But just to have someone to bounce ideas off of, to like, you know, I'm worried about my cover, I don't like it, and to have someone to talk through with that, it makes such a difference, and it's not what is lonely. And I love what you said, Carrie, about having like a sprint partner, you know, to have somebody that is encouraging you, that's holding you accountable, that kind of thing as well. That's really helpful. Yeah, I love that idea. So, and also I wanted to put it out there that... I am available if some if a writer needs advice or just wants to bounce some ideas off of me. You can find me on Facebook. It's probably the easiest way. Messenger me. I'm at KJ Waters on Facebook. You may find two. One's my author and one's my regular. Help. Feel free to to ask me advice or just want me to kick you in the butt. I can do that too. Um. <laughs> anyway, well, this has been a lovely roundtable. Uh, we have had here Camille DeMaio, Kim Harris, Amy Parrish, Carrie Schaefer, Melody Robinette. And Suzanne Kalman and I, KJ Waters. This has been a fabulous roundtable podcast with our launch team authors. We appreciate all of your time and effort in our group projects. Yeah, thank you for joining us on Blondie and Everett. We had a wonderful time. We hope you enjoyed it too. Don't forget to find us on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you. You can find our show notes and more information about our podcast at blondieandbrit.com. That's B-L-O-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-B-R-I-T.com.